Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the channel or the podcast show, depending on where you're watching or listening. We've got a show all about crypto taxes, everyone's favorite topic to hate. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about crypto taxes. We'll talk about tools to help you uh, achieve your crypto taxes this year. And we'll also talk about what the future might hold for crypto taxes and regulation, uh, the IRS, and all sorts of interesting stuff like that. And joining me today is David Kemmerer, the founder and CEO of CoinLedger, uh, who just happens to be the sponsor of the show today. So David, thanks so much for being here, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to be on and excited about excited to talk about the boring topic of taxes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's always a it's it's a heated topic for a lot of people. You know, you've got opinions ranging from all, you know one side of the spectrum to the other. People saying uh, crypto taxes should not exist. I'm not paying them. To people who say you should absolutely pay them and this is how you should do it. But across the board, everyone just kind of realizes this is something we we kind of have to do. Um, that being said, David, right before we get started on the tax topic, we're right now at the time of recording, kind of in the midst of this crypto rally, whilst the rest of the world and macroeconomic conditions are pretty terrible. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is going to last or, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on a crypto market? Yeah, I, I personally don't see it lasting. I would love to be proved wrong. Um, but this to me, it looks like, you know, mo just momentum on the new year. You know, again, a lot of the tax loss harvesting is done and now people are kind of reentering positions given the macroeconomic outlook and really technology sectors is abroad. I, I don't see how it lasts. But again, I would love to be proved wrong. Hey, listen, I'll take it. If we're going to get some sustained movement upwards in price, I think that would be a nice thing. There's a little bit of bear market fatigue right now, like sentiment wise. Mm. I think, you know, FTX and all the stuff that's happened has kind of brought people down to the lowest of lows. So maybe just a small amount of price action has made people feel really nice and they're buying in. Who knows? We shall see. Time will tell. Um, but it is that time of year again. We're at the beginning of um, of the year here, towards the end of January. And so everyone's starting to turn their attention to crypto taxes. Uh, unlike 2021, probably people are going to have a mix of losses and gains, maybe more on the loss side. So there's going to be discussions around how do we claim losses? How do we manage our taxes? Can you talk a little bit about how crypto is treated from a tax perspective today? Because it seems to change a little bit over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So at a high level, you know, the IRS and most governments around the world treat cryptocurrency as a form of property for tax purposes. And really just what that means, you know, you can compare it to other forms of property like stocks, like real estate. And really what that means is when you dispose of property, which is like a capital asset, you're realizing either a capital gain or a capital loss on that asset, right? Either you've made money on it or you've lost money. And no matter which way up or down it goes, that needs to get reported with your taxes, right? So if you're generating a bunch of income from, you know, selling property, whether it's real estate or Bitcoin, you know, that income is a form of capital gains and it needs to be, you know, reported on your taxes. And then the amount of tax you're going to pay on your gains or your lack thereof, your losses, depends on your personal income tax bracket. So let's say, you know, this year I made $80,000 as a software engineer somewhere that will determine what bracket I'm in in the United States. And let's say I maybe made $10,000 in capital gains selling and trading 
Ethereum and Bitcoin, you know, then my total income is 90,000 and that's the tax bracket that I'm in. So that's the percentage I'll actually pay on those capital gains. Um, that's really the high level. So it's very, very comparable to stocks. You know, if people trade mm -hmm. on like Robinhood or you trade, um, but, you know, of course, as you know, it gets a little bit more complex just because of the fundamental technical nature of cryptocurrencies. Yeah. And it's it's fragmented. Right. So you have if you're and this was the thing that sort of I got into myself and this was several years ago. But as things changed from, you know, it was really like Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, Litecoin. But, you know, Litecoin's kind of out there. Like there were only a few coins, right? Like only a few chains that you could be participating in. DeFi really wasn't a thing. It was not as complex back then to do your taxes. But now if you're, you know, doing DeFi stuff in, you know, Phantom and Avalanche and Solana and Ethereum, you have all these different blockchains and different transactions and things to track. Um, and often you have cross-chain transactions now that are even more complex. And so it's almost impossible to to calculate these things and to make sure you're you're doing the right things and calculating things properly without some sort of tool. And so... Yeah. Um, I guess this is as good an opportunity as any to kind of talk about CoinLedger, um, you know, your product and what that does to help people kind of navigate this craziness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you hit on the, the core problem on the head. Like, you know, cryptocurrency is one of their their biggest value proposition, right, is that they're interoperable, right? They don't require mm -hmm. a third party to facilitate transactions, but it's that exact feature that creates this problem on the accounting and tax reporting side, right? Because I can freely move my Bitcoin off of somewhere like Coinbase into my own cold wallets, or like you said, onto different blockchains, right? All of a sudden it becomes very hard to track the original, what's known as your cost basis. How much did I pay for that original Bitcoin? Let's say I paid $1,000 for one Bitcoin, but then I moved it to a cold wallet, then I moved it somewhere else, and then I sell it, let's say two years later, it becomes very difficult to remember and to actually account for that original cost basis. So mm -hmm. really what CoinLedger does at its core is it helps track all of those movements across wallets so that when you're disposing of property, disposing of crypto, we can quickly calculate how much did you actually make on that trade, right? If you if you sold Bitcoin again two years later, in our example, for $10,000, we can immediately calculate that you made $9,000 on that trade. Where people can get into trouble, right, is if they are trying to do things by hand or for whatever reason, they ha don't have great record keeping. If you can't kind of prove your original basis, you can kind of get stuck with facing a larger than actual gain facing. For example, let's say I spent $10,000 on Bitcoin and I lost that original buy transaction and years later I sell it for 50,000. You know, if I can't prove and have that record of that original $10,000 buy, I might have to take that whole $50,000 gain. Mm -hmm. um, so really what CoinLedger is, it's an integration platform. It's cryptocurrency tax software. We integrate with everything. So we'll integrate with Coinbase, you know, MetaMask, any wallet you have. You can sign up completely for free, use the platform to account and track all of your cryptocurrency transactions and movements, see exactly where your gains, losses, and income are. And then if you want to download our tax reports, that's when you would pay anywhere from $50 to around $300 for the year to download those tax reports. Um, we've been around for a long time, so you know, coming up on five years. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a little bit about CoinLedger. 
So you brought up an interesting point. I want to go back to the like the plans and how you you know pay for stuff and what you get for that. Um, mm -hmm. But you just mentioned you've been around for five years. In those five years, I mean, what are some of the things? I mean, you as the CEO, you've been kind of steering the ship. What have you learned, and how has the product grown and changed since you first started? You know, like what's different than than day one? Yeah, you actually touched on it earlier. When we first started, it was just spot markets on centralized exchanges. There was no credit, there was no DeFi, there was there was, there was multiple blockchains that people were using. So it was actually an easier problem to solve back then. Right. It was literally we just integrated with Binance and Coinbase, and then we pull in that data and calculate your gains and losses. Um, now, of course, the complexity of transactions and what you can do in crypto from NFTs to DeFi to you know cross-chain swaps good for coin ledger maybe not as good for you know the average person who's trying to sort through all this crap but yeah. uh, it's gotten more complex so the need for software tooling like coin ledger has increased again because the complexity of these transactions has mm -hmm. is way different than when we first started with just spot trades um that's both opportunity for us and challenging for us because we have to constantly invest millions and millions of dollars into this product to keep pace with how fast right. this market's moving, which is impossible to do, by the way, right? We do the best we can, but this market's moving so, so fast, and we have to constantly integrate with more and more and more platforms. Um, but that's the biggest way that we've seen it change is just, mm -hmm. you know, which, again, is a cool thing. It's the pace of innovation in this space, which we have to keep up with. And And, and to that end, right, you look at, you know, even like newer blockchains and people have their opinions about Solana, but it's a great example. It was like one of the first really popular blockchains for DeFi and NFTs that wasn't, strictly speaking, EVM compatible, didn't have the same data structure as Ethereum. It was a little more difficult to deal with from a wallet perspective, from a tax accounting software perspective. Um, as more and more of those come out, like what does the workload look like for you and your team to support a new blockchain that's not kind of baselined on the ethereum ecosystem yeah fantastic question and you know, these are all the pain points of building this product is you're so much on the cutting edge mm -hmm. and so the question is what does it look like for us evm is easier now because there's so much developer tooling around that ecosystem yeah. um something that is such a pain point is like you know spinning up nodes to get in you know the full transaction history of someone just by wallet address like that key piece of infrastructure you know it takes companies to build that right we can't build everything so mm -hmm. everything the cool part again is everything feeds off each other in this ecosystem as it does in any space right as more mature products come clean apis that we can use to get raw transaction data that's as low level as possible so that we don't have to be managing insane amount of node architecture um so but typically it's we find you know, companies, infrastructure providers that we're comfortable with partnering with to get very low level on-chain data. Then mm -hmm. we have staff a full blockchain engineering team who takes that raw on-chain data and transforms it into, you can call it the actual transactions, because that raw data is just debits and credits to and from a wallet address, but those mm -hmm. debits and credits could be interacting with various smart contracts 
and those raw debits and credits are very different financial transactions, right? One is, let's say, a self-wallet transfer from another wallet you own. One is actually a swap interacting with a protocol like Uniswap. So our blockchain engineering team comes then and builds a classification layer on top of that raw data to actually make sense of, oh, this was a swap. This was interest income because it's all treated differently from a tax reporting perspective. So you can quickly see how complex it gets, but we have – you know, we do have a very good process now. You know, two years ago, we were figuring the best way to do this now. Um, but I would go on a ledge and argue that our raw blockchain stack is the best in our market. So you go compare how we are accounting for everything from gas fees, transaction fees, just from your wallet address, um, I'd argue is the best out there. And so yeah it's definitely an an, inter an interesting concept you know if we can get clean blockchain data at the transaction level at the lowest level you can build the stuff that makes coin ledger tick which is you know all of the um the nuts and bolts of accounting for everything and matching and classifying and all that sort of thing um and then rendering out reports at the end which is the most important part for a lot of people um like looking at that from from the perspective of a user and thinking about okay I go in I connect my exchanges probably through an API that mm -hmm. way I can get my exchange information out so Coinbase or Binance or whatever I might provide uh, my addresses for my MetaMask and for any of my cold storage and then you go in and you you mash all those numbers you pull all the data you calculate everything out someone gets to see that on screen. I think the thing that's missing for a lot of people is that every time you import something new, it's a new context for that that whole, I wouldn't even call it a model, but really it's kind of a model. Every time you import a new transaction, you basically have to rerun everything. Because to your point mm -hmm. earlier, if you're missing that $10,000 buy for Bitcoin, you've sold it for 50000 If you bring in that $10,000 buy, you're like, oh, I found it. You kind of have to recalculate everything else because it changes right. the whole picture. Um, so for you... Uh, thinking about how you scale this, your forcing function is let's find clean blockchain data for each new blockchain as it comes. And I'm sure you drive that based on what your customers and users are asking you for. So like, how does someone go and say, hey, I've got this blockchain that I use all the time. I need it to be supported in the tool. Like, how do you prioritize those things? Yeah, great question. And one, your earlier point is exactly correct. And some misnomer of these tools is that, oh, I just want to see my gains and losses for my MetaMask. It's like it can't work like that because it's mm -hmm. all tied together, right? If you solely import MetaMask, first of all, you're going to be missing all the original basis. Where did you originally get that crypto, right? Yeah. It, we cannot just magically assign the basis to it, right? We need to pull the Coinbase data or the Gemini data or the Binance data. Um, and then your other point of how do we prioritize one, we're constantly, you know, monitoring the analytics of the space. Where is TVL, you know, on these chains? Where is actual usage so that we're not just relying on our, you know, pretty large queue of customer support tickets? Um, so that's first and foremost. And then it is what are our customers actually asking of us? You know, like we have thousands of conversations a week, um, you know, that our customer support team handles. A lot of those are people asking hey, can you support this thing or how should I do this? And we bake that into our product development roadmaps, of course. But this stuff takes time. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of research to figure out the best scalable 
you know, way to do it without shooting yourself in the foot down the road. Um, so the good news is I believe, you know, three, four, five, ten 10 years into the future, accounting and tax reporting for the space will literally just be connect your wallet and it'll be like amazing. It'll be like magic, but it takes so many iterations of the product and feedback from users to get to that point. And, you know, we're still pretty early. Um, but that's a little bit how we think through like product development. Speaking of product development, you know, what are some of the things that you're trying to accomplish in 2023? At least that you can share. You don't have to lift the lid on the whole private right. roadmap or anything. But you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I I did some brief research again before the video, and I didn't see it. But I wanted to know, you know, maybe NFTs are in the plans, or you've already started doing that. Just a thought. Yep. So on the NFT, we already fully support NFTs for all of EBM, Solana in, in, included as well. Um, again. I would love for people to go compare and contrast us against other tools they may use that we spent a lot, a lot of time on, again, to get right. So we're accounting automatically for all gas fees, transaction fees that you might have incurred and adding that to your basis or reduce, subtracting it from proceeds. So it's reducing your total taxable income. A lot of tools in the space kind of sweep all transaction fees under the rug. So you're not getting the benefit. And again, with gas fees as high as they have been over the past two years, that's actually really important um, mm -hmm. to minimize your tax liability. Um, other plans. So we've been pretty public about we're moving much more aggressively into the portfolio tracking space. Mm -hmm. Historically, CoinLedger, formerly known as CryptoTrader.tax, was solely kind of a tax product, right? Um, and it was very important we started that way, too, because it forces you to have insane integrity on how the quality of your data and how you're working with it. But now, you know, over the next 12 months, you're really going to see us move into completely free portfolio tracking tools and much more powerful than your traditional block folios or Delta because we were built from tax first, meaning we have all your basis data. We can show you exactly what your gain loss position is across your entire portfolio, um, which a lot of these tools like Coinbase can't do because they don't have that full scope of data and they don't have it from day one. Um, so that's really, really exciting. You know, we're spending a lot of time there. Outside of that, you're going to see traditional stuff. So more integrations better um, tooling within CoinLedger itself to make it easy to reconcile your data, make it easier to figure out what's going going on if we detect some like missing data. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's a lot of it, you know, and that's kind of at the high level, but it's going to be fun to build. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about the plans earlier, right? It's the tools free to use. You can go in and get your data and you can see the full picture of what's going on. When you start to render out your reports, something that you might hand off to your accountant or you might bring into, you know, your other tax filing software, whatever it is that you use, uh, that's when you pay. So can you walk through that sort of model, the pricing model there for, for someone if they're sitting there like, OK, I want to use this now for this year's taxes, what that costs and then also how you might make money or how you're approaching the model with the, the portfolio tracking as it gets added on. Yep. Yeah. So the big thing is, you know, it's fully try before you buy. You can mm -hmm. sign up completely free, import all of your stuff, make sure you like it. It's going to work for you. We show you all of your gains, losses on every single one of your transactions completely for free. And, you know, again, make sure it's going to work for you. You can benchmark us against maybe a different tool you're using or if you're not, just try it completely free. 
And then if you want to actually download the relevant tax forms, like you said, that maybe you want to upload into your TurboTax account or you want to kick off to your tax guy, you know, if that's how you do your taxes each year or your dad, yeah. um, that's when you'll either pay anywhere from $50 to up to like $300, depending on how many transactions okay. that are a part of your account for that year, you know. Because the value proposition for CoinLedger, again, is if you have thousands of transactions to sort through, it's a more valuable product than if you have 20, right? That's easier to do by hand. So that's how our pricing is based, again, on kind of the value that it's providing. On the portfolio tracking side, we're going to completely give it for free, especially to start. It's really um, a top of funnel marketing kind of feel for us is, hey, let's get people in, let's let them use our products completely free, track our portfolio from their phone, from a web browser all year. And then at the end of the year, like, hey, we've been tracking your portfolio, you know, do you want to do your taxes with us? And so it's really a top of funnel, let's get more people into the software, and then we'll be able to monetize more people come tax season. Interesting. That's really cool. I mean, I've gotten a lot of questions lately on the channel about portfolio managers, portfolio trackers and apps, especially, you know, as you probably are well aware of FTX implosion kind of brought Blockfolio down with it. So everyone's like, oh, mm -hmm. what do I do now? I need something else. And so this is a really useful product. I think everyone is starting to say like, hey, I, there's too much going on. I want an aggregator to show me just one single view of all my crypto at once so I can track things more easily. So yeah. I'm stoked about that. Yeah, there's a big gap in the market, honestly, on the portfolio tracking side right now. Um, and so we're excited to, you know, really move into that with what we've been doing. Incredible, incredible. So shifting gears a little bit here, I want to maybe talk a little bit more about some philosophical topics, uh, get your thoughts on some things that are going on in the space and also what, what might happen in the future. I mean, I guess kind of bridging us from the tax conversation into some other things. Like, do you do you personally think you're pretty close to the tax space for crypto? Do you think that the IRS and maybe other tax collection agencies around the world, do you think they are as technologically advanced or as um, as educated as they need to be to actually police this stuff and catch people who are just flat out not paying or catch people who are kind of cooking the books a little bit? Or are they just trying to catch major offenders with some of the things that they've been doing? Yeah. Now, I do want to like just preface be like I really don't have like insider knowledge. I don't work at the IRS, yeah. but I can definitely provide my opinion. Um, no, I, I don't believe that they're super techno technologically advanced. Um, you know, these these folks, as you can imagine, are pretty lost when it comes to this stuff. Now, that said, mm -hmm. one, they're catching up, and two, they're they're laying you could call it roadblocks to you know, catch the most low hanging fruit, right? Again, it mm -hmm. started with adding, you know, as everyone has probably seen now that the cryptocurrency question to 1040, which every taxpayer now needs to answer, did you sell, trade, you know, receive digital currency? That's kind of their first roadblock roadblock to be like, okay, how many people are doing this? You know, how do we get our hooks into them? Then the other one, and these are kind of trip wires. Like again, if you trip the wire, you know, they would expect to see crypto income reported somewhere on your tax return. Um, <clears throat> and then they can go in if they want and like look closer at that. But it's not like they have this huge system that can see every single transaction, you know, and tied back to a social security mm -hmm. number. Um, the other thing is on the 1099 information reporting side, which is coming, you know, in, in the 
It was supposed to start this year. It's been slightly delayed by Treasury. But, uh, you know, all the brokers in the space, so Coinbase, Gemini, Binance, they will in the near future be required to send a 1099 detailing year gains, losses, income. One of those goes to the IRS. One of those goes to you as as the taxpayer. And so if you don't include the income that was reported on that 1099 with your tax return, that automatically, um, you know, will flag a notice to the IRS. You'll get a letter. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. I don't think they're super knowledgeable, literate on this stuff, but they are starting to lay kind of the tripwires to slowly catch up. Um, And, you know, they Mm -hmm. just, they move slow. Eventually, they'll probably be pretty sophisticated and they'll bring in, you know, contractors, private companies to help them do this stuff. You know, they've reached out to us. We don't work with them at all. You know, we're not a government contractor, but you can bet they're working with companies similar to us who've built similar technology to us to help them better understand, you know, maybe the transaction history of some taxpayer that they're trying to audit. That's yeah, that's very interesting. And I want to put that like to the side for a second, because I have a question about privacy related to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll get back to it in a second. You know, on the on the topic of how the IRS treats these things and how they're approaching it, how they're policing it. I, I would agree with you and in, in, in you're thinking that they're probably not fully sophisticated yet. They're setting traps for people that are clearly, mm-hmm. um, you know, deliberately right. avoiding taxes, which I think makes sense. They're trying to catch those people. Um, what makes people really anxious? And I know, like, I've felt this way. and I know other people that, you know, comment on the channel have felt this way is, you know, if I'm trying to do the right thing, but I, I may not land on the right answer or you get a 1099 because some exchanges have already given 1099s in the past. Mm. You get a 1099 that just shows that picture. It's like, here's your tax picture for just our exchange. There's all these other things that you've done that change that picture, like we talked about before. So people are like, well, this shows I made $64,000, but I lost 100K over here. So am I going to have to pay taxes there? There's a lot of that that anxiety still amongst, amongst folks. So there really, there needs to be that clarity and that ease of use for people or else it's just going to be more and more difficult. It's going to impede every average everyday people from even wanting to enter mm-hmm. into the space because it's too complicated. Right. Right. Um, but from a privacy perspective, going back there, you know, it's, I think it's probably people probably expected that the IRS and, and other agencies as well have reached out to platforms like yourself because you have the tools, you have the knowledge to help them with this. Um, and whether or not folks work with them, I think there's a big concern around, you know, privacy. Do people mm-hmm. know when they import all their information in there, is that being shared with with someone else that they're not aware of? Maybe yeah. it's government agency, maybe it's just a third party. So people should read the terms, of course. You know, but what are your thoughts there? Do you think that um, the IRS is reaching out to these organizations to to learn or are they may be looking to see, can we get some information out of here? So like, how do you how do you approach privacy at Coin Ledger? I think is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you it's a great, great put question. people's mind to rest? No. The biggest thing is we intentionally do not and have no interest in actually knowing who our users are. So mm-hmm. the only thing you really need to create a coin ledger account is an email. You know, we are not a facilitator of transactions, so we do not need to KYC you. We don't need to know anything about you. Um, so not none of your personal information outside of your email address um, is like saved to coin ledger databases. So we don't know much about our people now. 
you could say that their transaction history, right? We know, but, but again, they're anonymized. Um, mm -hmm. so that's the big thing is we have no interest actually in really knowing who the personal, our customers are, if that makes sense. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so like if the IRS came to us and was like, Hey, give us all your stuff, you know, we don't have a ton of super, we have a lot of anonymized transaction history essentially, right. which is the same as like looking at either scan for anyone. Right. Um, right. The other thing to just very much draw a line in sand is, you know, we serve our customers. We are not a business that serves governments. We do not sell anything into governments. Some of our peers do. Um, we solely serve customers. So anything that you need, if it's you using CoinLedger, like we're going to listen to you. Um, you know, we know privacy is a huge concern. So that's a big part of, again, our philosophy. Um, Anything that, else that, that would be good to clarify knowledge? there. Is that, that public knowledge who of your competitors, and I don't want to turn this into a coin ledger bashes competitor session. That's <laughs> no, not the right idea, right. but is it public knowledge or is there a place people can find that if they go and look? Well, it's public knowledge that, you know, tax, but, you know, serves the IRS. Now that's not to say they're like passing their users information to the IRS. No, it's that right, right. tax bit, you know, is selling their technology to allow the IRS to use. They're also building full 1099 yeah. information reporting systems. So I don't want to throw them under the bus either. It's just we have mm -hmm. no relation. We don't monetize government agencies whatsoever. In any way, technology-wise. Yeah, and, I don't, I, and I've done a lot of research on this because I've been personally curious, but also if I'm making these shows, I want to make sure people are getting the right information and they know right. all the pluses and minuses. And I haven't found anything that would allow, in terms and conditions, any of these companies to directly sell information or give information up short of like a, like a legal proceeding for somebody. Um, and right. So that I think should put people's minds at ease. That's a big question people have. If I use yeah. this, am I creating a honeypot for not, not even just a government agency or law enforcement, but am I creating a honeypot for hackers, right? To say, oh, here's this right. guy, you know, Here's his full name and social security number and his whole crypto transaction history, uh, docs right. and his addresses. So, yeah. So, so not a ton using our products. Again, we don't collect anything like social security number, no address, nothing like that. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, we need an email address so that we can, you know, notify you, <laughs> send you, you t certain types of stuff, but that's pretty much it. Um, other like security precautions are you know all of our api integrations are like read only so again mm -hmm. even in the case let's say coin ledger gets hacked someone the worst they can do is read what you have on coinbase right where like the trading tools um have a little bit more exposure if they get hacked people can trade on their behalf right right and you saw that with uh what was the company um the three commas i think three commas you know all those yeah. ap all API those api keys. keys got leaked and you know that was if our api keys got leaked which they won't right <laughs> but you know <laughs> we we don't have the, that ability so again the tax software tools they're read only they are safer from that regard and again we have no interest really in your personal data Love it. Cool. I think I think that puts people's minds at, at ease uh, on this type of stuff. And it's it's also good to hear about how companies like yours approach this, because now, mm -hmm. I think there's not enough discussion in like the here's the our value prop as a tax software or as an accounting software. It's like, how do we safeguard your data? How are we yeah. making it harder for you even as the user to make a mistake 
and right. you lose your password and now all your stuff is stolen or your information yeah. not your crypto so, i think it's a good stuff. like we need to just we have obviously stuff but we need to create mo even more public content talking about this stuff um i, I do agree. think people would really appreciate that yeah definitely highlighting it it's a, it's a value prop um and right. this is this is one question that i wanted to ask you um and of course we enter into um controversy a controversial area but really just just opinion or our our hypotheses um, so there's been like political theater lately around uh, a bill that was proposed to abolish the IRS and establish a national sales tax instead of an income tax uh, or other tax structures for the U.S. Like, what do you think of that? Like, just from your personal perspective, politics aside, just right. looking at a tax system, let's say you have to create a new tax system and you could structure it however you like. How would that look as David Kemmerer? Mm. I can be honest, I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about what my um, ideal tax system would be. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm someone just by nature who <clears throat> wants to reduce size of government <laughs> and, um, you know, complexity. So that would be <laughs> my number one agenda is how can we create something that's just inherently dead simple um i do think something like transaction based taxes makes a lot of sense on that front um but i think we can all agree that our current system is terrible <laughs> and yeah you know coin ledger is a, a beneficiary of that complexity but that doesn't mean i personally <laughs> like the complexity so i don't have a good answer for you on like what my ideal tax system i'd have to spend you know a good amount of time really <laughs> thinking about that Hey, maybe we'll do a whole we'll do a whole separate video yeah. just talking about it. Maybe, uh, I mean, I mean, let's just scope it down to, to cryptocurrency. If you think about what the future sure. might hold, um, yes. you know, maybe what you think is going to happen, and then what you hope might happen for treatment mm -hmm. from a regulatory perspective and from a tax perspective. What do you think? Yes. So I'll give a couple answers. So on on the shorter term, right, which is one, I actually don't think much is going to happen in in things changing, which is a bummer because mm -hmm. we need certain things to change. For example, stablecoin dispositions, right? transaction with stablecoins should not be triggering, you know, capital disposals, which need to be reported on an 8949, right? Most of these coins are stable, you know, some, some aside, <laughs> but it just creates a reporting nightmare and you don't even have any gain or loss. So like, it would be great to get legislation being like, hey, USDC is not going to be treated as a capital asset, right? It's going to be treated as like a monetary unit. And thus, you don't need to use CoinLedger to track every time you use USDC to buy something, right? Mm -hmm. um, do I think that will happen? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it depends how popular crypto gets because, again, politicians yeah. at the end of the day serve their constituents. If people get loud enough and bang their chest enough and get angry enough, that's what can incite change. Um, but to do that, it needs to reach even deeper penetration, um, right, to really influence these politicians. Um, that's one of my big things. Outside of that, I think just enforcement is going to increase. So the laws aren't going to change, but the way, again, they're setting the tripwires and they're trying to track this will just continue to increase. We talked about the 1099 stuff that's going to get rolled out. That's going to be massive. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to drive up enforcement so much because now, you know, anyone who has bought, sold, traded crypto will receive a 1099 at, 
you know, around January. Um, and those people, a lot of them aren't reporting anything now and they'll be like, Oh, I got to report this. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be big in my long, long term. <laughs> this is the controversial opinion, but I do believe cryptocurrencies at their nature are a little bit competitive with governments. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think Bitcoin at its core and things like smart contract platforms do kind of reframe how you think through what a government is. And I think that very much matches how the world is developing in terms of globalization due to hyperconnectivity of like the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the concept of a country being just geographical bounds is going to blur into time. And that's totally just based on the penetration of internet and digital kind of transformation, which every year, of course, is going to continue to increase. And so you're already seeing this with like states competing for knowledge workers, right? Does it make sense just because, you know, maybe I have a home base in Texas, but I do all my work from New York, like, where do I pay taxes? And does it even make sense, right, that like mm-hmm. the, the geography should dictate where I pay and where I spent half my time, right? I think that's mm-hmm. going to continue to blur. And I, I really do believe like cloud communities will become the governments of, you know, hundreds of years from now. And I think everyone can agree that taxes actually make sense. What is, what is a tax? It's just a community of people who come together and like, hey, there's common utilities we all need and i'm totally down to chip in for the common utilities and i think the common utilities of these cloud communities that i think will form you know 50 100 200 years from now um will dictate how the taxes of the future work and i think decentralized systems like ethereum like bitcoin will facilitate that and you know, I think CoinLedger is well positioned to help facilitate those types of things. But that's way off into the future. But I do think, you know, there will be a competitive point that it comes to between decentralized systems, cloud communities, and their traditional geographic kind of countries. It's very interesting. And I actually, I can see that happening. And you kind of already see it happening in a way. Right. It just if more organic. You can see it totally happening again these these old systems don't make sense in this new world and if you believe that the new world's going to continue to progress and make deeper and deeper penetration into society and how people live work and act it will move at some point yeah very interesting i I always think you thinking about the the really first principles aspects of humanity, how we organize as society. There's definitely Mm -hmm. centralizing forces. People, when they can't decide or they don't know what to do, look to a leader. And so you start to have that centralizing force. And even like, I look at like a microcosm of government is homeowners association. It's like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. most people have one and you realize how dysfunctional it is. Your homeowners association fee is like a mini tax. You use it to... Mm -hmm decide how to improve your community and keep things running the way they should. And clearly these processes don't work today. So how is humanity going to shift to make these things more efficient, the way we interact with each other and build community? So really interesting thing to kind of chew on as we close out today for folks to think about. Uh, And if you have some thoughts yourself, please leave them in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or send us a tweet. Uh, Both of us are on Twitter. Leave them in the uh, the, the description below if you're listening on the podcast platform. Uh, David, any closing thoughts for you, my friend? 
Um, no, I appreciate you having me on. I will say anyone who's listening or watching will do a uh, 20% discount for any paid Coinlandry plan with uh, Hashoshi. Did I pronounce that correct? Yeah, you got it, man. Hashoshi. Bang. I'll leave and I'll leave that information in the description as well uh, across platforms so you have that. Uh, we'll put it up in a nice little banner up front so folks don't make it all the way through. You're still going to know about the discount code. Um, but David, really appreciate you coming on. It was good to talk about uh, taxes, your thoughts on the crypto market, uh, maybe what the future holds for enforcement and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, we'll have to do it again uh, sometime soon. We will. Appreciate you having me on. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. Uh, please check out this next episode. I'll link it up either on the screen or in the description of the podcast. And until next time, cheers.